And welcome back again, ladies and gentlemen, to another exciting episode of the Lost Podcast of Titan. A father and son journey through the sci-fi series that unite our generations, and we are in Saturday morning, ladies and gentlemen. We are we have woken <laughs> up, we are in our PJs, we got our cookie crisp cereal, and we're sitting down watching cartoons. What do you what do you what do you think of that? Did you did you uh you had car- you had Saturday morning cartoons oh, Lord, when you were young. Oh, right? Lord, Saturday morning used to be sacrosanct for me and uh, your Aunt Pat and stuff. We were just parked our hiney butts. And we watched later on, you know, more myself than Pat, but watching Fireball XL5, Space Ghost. Space um, Ghost Coast to Coast? That was on Saturday morning? No, no, no. The, the, <laughs> the, original, the original Hanna-Barbera Space Ghost, the Herculoids. Secret Squirrel. Um, I wonder if Space Ghost uh, Coast to Coast was funnier if you had actually seen the original series. I don't. I, that's a good question. Because I found it funny, but it it seemed like you were just dying sometimes. Oh yeah, because I had grown up on the original series and <laughs> the context <laughs> just made <laughs> everything better. Hmm. But uh, uh, what, what cereal did you eat when you were on Saturday morning? Uh, Raisin Bran. Ooh. Oh, come on. Raisin Bran was great. Raisin it's got bran raisins and... in it. And bran. Yeah, <laughs> like... and? I liked it, and it also gave me regular bowel movements, which is oh. probably more information than what our audience is tuned in for. Yes, I'm sure that's why all the young kids in Saturday 1960s uh, uh, ate Raisin Bran. They're like... I want the regular bowel movements. I also liked Life Cereal. And for a while, I was really hooked on King Vitaman. King Vitaman. King Vitaman. Have breakfast with the king. No. Anyway, so ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, we are still in our uh, Star Trek The Animated Series run through. We are just trucking through it. And today... We had the we have the pleasure of discussing Star Trek the Animated Series, <laughs> The Infinite Vulcan. Now, um, to to briefly summarize this episode, the the crew of the Enterprise beam down onto a planet and start noticing, hey, there are buildings over here. Hey, there are power signatures over here, and then they decide maybe to perhaps investigate further. Um, Sulu gets Sulu is an idiot. I don't know why he's the designated idiot this time. But uh Ah oh, shit. Um he picks up he just ra- picks up this randomly moving plant, gets poisoned, almost dies, and they are rescued by alien plant people. Which to be perfectly honest, was actually a rather interesting cuz I like the idea of the alien plant people. I don't think we have you had, you had... had your you had your plot right there, but then yes, but then um, things get weird. Uh, uh, plant dragons kidnap Spock. They immediately like this plot goes full bore. There, there is there is no uh, stopping on this crazy train. They chase down Spock while uh, Uhura is looking up um, details of the master. Uh, who is the the ruler of these plant people? They go into this underground cavern and they find out that the master was a uh, the clone, 
the fifth clone of an outlaw geneticist who wanted to make a master race of peacekeepers through the galaxy. We're doing quotation marks in the air of peacekeepers through the galaxy. And uh, he's going to use Spock as the perfect creature of strength and logic. And the plant people um, are, are totally down with this because this was their plan to begin with, even though most of their race died when the scientists came and spread a, a basic bacteria infection. But because he was going to conquer the galaxy, you know, that's close enough to their original goal. They're going to conquer the galaxy. Like, so they're going to go along with this. And uh, we have an, uh, Spock is, has his mind being drained. And then gigantic, giant, five-story tall Spock comes into view. Yes, you heard me right. Five-story <laughs> Spock. Because we can't uh, get enough Spock. That's right. I mean, the women are all fanning themselves uh, uh, quickly. Um, oh, what, what else? Uh, so then uh, Kirk reasons with the giant Spock. The giant Spock uh, has enough of Spock's memory to to basically come around to the good side and mind melds with his uh, original self to restore his memories and thoughts. And then, and then, and then the episode ends <laughs> with the crew of the enterprise and giant uh, leaving giant Spock with giant Hitler on a planet. Um, and that's it. Oh, okay. nice summation. No, I, when I say giant Hitler, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, peacekeepers, feel the quotation marks coming through the digital medium that you were listening to me to. He's a fucking Nazi. He's he's Herbert Goiber or no, Goibers was the propagandist, wasn't he? Who uh, was, Goebbels was the uh, who was the who was the medical guy? The uh, doctor, uh, Spear. No, wait, not Spear. Uh, is, is uh my, it began with an M, right? <laughs> Uh, God, I just finished watch, rewatching The Boys from Brazil. Um, Evil Nazi doctor. Hold on. Evil Nazi <laughs> doctor. Well, you're going to get quite a list Mengel. there. Joseph yeah, Mengele. There yeah, we go. Yeah, Joseph Mengele. There we go. Oh, it's Mengele? I thought it was Mengele. But anyway, yeah. It's pronounced Mengele. Like, his whole point was to create a super race to bring peace to the galaxy. And the plant people were totally down to this because just before he came... They were building an invasion fleet to bring their own peace and order to the galaxy. And in the course of not even <laughs> five minutes, Kirk is like, well, I mean, you've learned your lesson. We're all peaceful now, so you don't have to do this. And, 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 uh, genetic, genetic Nazi nods his head and Spock is like, yeah, sure, whatever. And they leave. This episode was written by Walter Koenig. This is Chekhov. This is his revenge for, 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 having, Chek for having Chekhov <laughs> written out of the series <laughs> for the animated series. This is his revenge. He was replaced by a cute uh, cat girl or... No, no, no. He's uh, replaced by the three-armed yeah. alien. Yeah. I mean, what well, the actual fuck? They did ask... It did, you know... Ask him to contribute some more episodes. They, you know, extended an olive branch. Yeah. But <laughs> I will point out, though, that for whatever reason, 
uh, Chekhov's character or Walter Koenig is uh, always involved with genetic wars with Khan. Like he was the only member of the crew to have uh, been remembered by Khan. Uh, in, when that and that uh, when they're on the away team in the movie, and uh, it was yeah, implied well, because of that line that he met in the original series. Well, keep in mind he may have been the only former member of the Enterprise on uh, the Reliant. Uh, that's fair enough, I guess. But uh, but yeah, so it's like so the, the evil Nazi guy came from the genetic wars. So someone was paying attention to uh, the scripts because I. Uh, Space Seed was season one, right? Yes. Yeah, so the genetic wars happened, what uh, was mentioned in a whole episode, uh, episode, whole season prior to him even being, you know, on the show. So it showed he was paying attention, and I like that. And, you know, to give, I mean, it sort of makes sense that the plan people were going to try and do what they had planned to do they were going to <laughs> plant uh, it to do <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they were going yeah they were going to branch out into the galaxy and get at the root of the problem <laughs> so that the flower of peace may finally bloom <laughs> exactly Among other but things. anyway maybe this is where the body snatchers came from no no wait because the bu- plant pods no that happened uh, in the 1950s. They already took over. I mean, remember, you're next. You're next. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, we're all plant people. I mean, you go to the meetings, right? Wait a uh, minute. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work so good over a pair of headphones. No, it does. I also wasn't giving a proper scream. Also, to be honest, uh... Uh, no hyperbole. That scene still holds up. It does. I mean, in just, fact, that's, that's one of those rare cases where the remake comes out better than the original. Mm, yep. Well, I don't know about but, that. It had the uh, <laughs> had the uh, human face puppy dog, right? Didn't isn't that yeah. also? Yeah. No. Put that away. <laughs> Stop. I think a lot of people were disturbed by that scene. I know I was. What the human face puppy? Uh, why? Why was it there? Why did the aliens decide? To... Welcome to our Star no, Trek no, no, animated no. series. Review, <laughs> everybody. No, they, they had made a they had made a pod of the uh, street guy, and they also, for some god awful reason, made a pod of his dog. And what's his name? The hero went around smashing pods, and the fluids got mixed in those two pods, mm. producing the hybrid creature. Ooh. Yeah. But anyway, so that's yeah, the animated to- series. Yeah. <laughs> Vulcan. Oh. Uh, so, I mean... Uh, uh, okay, let me just go into my major problem. What's your major problem? With this. And the, it's the, the, inf- the infinite Vulcan, the very concept and conceit of the episode. Okay. Is that this is all about Spock. Oh, the, we, the whole he's whole, he's a giant for all of like what four minutes? Well, <laughs> yeah, four minutes too much. But okay, early on in the original series, it was determined that Spock was going to be the breakout character, right? I uh, yes, they have all the fan letters of the women just fanning themselves, and 
the thing is, they just kept running with this and running with this. And sp this was in danger of becoming one of those TV series where, I mean, the TV series realistically should have been an ensemble cat. You had Kirk, you had McCoy, you had Spock, you had Sulu, you had this, Christine Chapel, you had the uh, skinny-ass motherfucker handling the helm. You had mm -hmm. the salt vampire running around. And just all too quickly, everything starts focusing on Spock. You get this in several uh, other... I mean, it's not just limited to Star Trek. Uh, Gary Marshall made the series Happy Days, among others. And I'm sure he did not intend for Henry Winkler as Fonzie to become the major character in the series. Uh, same thing with Eight is Enough, Full House, God Help Us. They have some little cutesy kid, and everything starts focusing on the cutesy kid. And it just drives me nuts. Well, they have to get their I, money. They have, yeah, I know they have I to get their the money. I need the money. But Give me the take, money. Uh, MASH managed to uh, pull off and maintain the ensemble concept throughout the entire life of the series. You had various yes, characters. Yes, okay, all right, all right. But MASH had more than one good character. How many good characters are in Full House? None. I many... hated, I didn't like Full House. I didn't like Eight is Enough. All these happy little cutesy-poo family shows just make my bowels churn. Oh, but I liked Family Matters. That was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> you are a pod person. You, <laughs> But... Uh... Let me no. Let me use another an earlier, much okay. earlier example in a movie. Uh, have you seen Son of Frankenstein? No. Okay. This was. I tried to only watch good movies. Oh come on! The Frankenstein movies, the classic Universal Frankenstein films, were for the most part pretty good. Son of Frankenstein was a uh, fairly decent film. A lot of the material was parodied in Mel Brooks's film Young Frankenstein. But the big worm in that apple, uh, who, who was he? Uh, uh, Donnie Dunnigan, a child actor. They had him playing, um, a child. Okay, the, 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 all, right, all right. The plot was is that uh, Victor Frankenstein's brother got the nod to go and inherit his uh, deceased brother's estate, in the castle, with including all the laboratory and stuff. This essentially, is a serious version of Young Frankenstein. Right. And bad enough, I mean, he brings his wife along naturally, but also had this brat kid of theirs. He would constantly show up and just go, Hello! And, oh! And, and several times, that kid would be in the clutches of the monster. And just thinking, and I'm there sitting there thinking, Kill him! Kill him! Crush the kid! Crush the kid! <laughs> no, I get like that. It's like, uh... You probably never seen uh, Rio probably Grande not. with John John nope. Wayne and Maureen O'Hara. Great film, uh, one of John Huston's Calvary trilogy films. No. But they have this little girl playing a character named Mary Margaret, who, through some abomination of the script writing, manages to insert herself, her cute little butt, into practically every scene. Ringing a bell, making as much noise as possible, uh, trying to steal the camera. And I get sick and tired of her. Uh, she and the other children at the fort 
get kidnapped by the uh, vicious Indians, and the cavalry has to go out and rescue the kids. And the way the story was timed, if the cavalry had been just 30 minutes later on in arriving, Mary Margaret and the other kids would have been uh, violated and debauched and massacred by the Indians. And you know what? If that had happened, I would have laughed. I would have laughed and clapped my hand because that little girl got on my last absolute nerve and still does in repeated showing. I'm sorry if that offends a lot of people, but I have a very short tolerance level for enforced cuteness. Mm. The only person who carries cuteness off in kids is Hyao Miyazaki. Uh, all the children in his anime features act like real children act. They're, they're actually real children. Everybody else tries to... No, no, they're in. animated. They're animated, yeah, but they're closer to real children than a lot of the live-action uh, stuff. Right, but we're, but we're, uh, we're branching off of the Spock issue. We're branching Spock off of Spock, the but, okay. But Spock became the focus of the series. We saw this in third season original with the episode Spock's Brain. I mean, any, really, could anyone else's brain have been used for that machine? Uh, probably. And, and here we go again in the animated series. The entire universe full of intelligent people, uh, the Enterprise full of intelligent, competent people, and yet Dr. Coniclius feels that Spock is the only person qualified to be expanded into a, you know, supersized into a five-story tall uh, creature. And, you know, he is he's the Kwisatz Haderach. He's going to, uh, he's the chosen one who's going to bring balance to the Force, all that stuff. And... But you're forgetting the, the simple explanation is that uh, Gene Roddenberry is a liar, a hack, and a fraud, and he's trying to keep the show on the air. So if, like, the slightest hint that Spock is a popular character, he's going to lean into it. That's why there is the Holy Trinity. That's why McCoy <sighs> keeps walking onto the fucking bridge whenever there anything happens. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he leaves sick, but he comes up on the bridge and says, what the heck's going on, Jim? Ahura could, like, slip out of her chair, you know, trip and fall, and then McCoy's going to burst out of the elevator room like, what the fuck just happened? Oh, my God. In my Medbury, shaking to the ship. What's going on? Have I got enough screen time yet? Is there? Can everyone see me? Bring that camera closer. <laughs> oh, but you see, do you see the point I'm trying to make? We Like, like we said earlier. Uh, also, it's another Spock's brain episode. Essentially, yes. Yeah, we had we had a completely good story with the plant people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then we, and then we like had I was excited. I was excited. Like, okay, cool. It's plant people. They, you know, maybe, maybe they'll, they'll shed some light on the situation here. <laughs> maybe they they could have worked off a plot involving just the plant people alone. Like it's fall and their and their leaves are dropping, and it's time to be on my way. Uh or you know. They have to. Also, Agmar, the, the leader of the Philosians, the plant people, betrayed Kirk twice. Like, he tricks Kirk into uh, getting Spock kidnapped. And then Kirk, uh, like, uh, comes back later to try and save Spock, uh, grabs Agmar, and Agmar's like, no, 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 I'll take you to him. And then leads him down a very dark, dark tunnel. <laughs> And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? This is a trap. And oh, by the way, guess what? It was a trap. <laughs> and 
and we're just going to leave these people, you know, with a giant Spock, and we're not going to, we're not even going to visit this again. This isn't brought up ever again. No. They're like, they're, Although they're, you think a planet with a, with a five-story Spock would be of some interest. Five-story Spocks and five-story uh, genetic Hitlers. Yeah. Like, I mean, they're still there. stepping on the plant people. Oops, sorry, I didn't see you there. And out of all the plant people, it's, I find it odd that the one Kirk grabs is, was Agmar. How could you tell them apart? Uh, grabs him and says, I will help you. Oh, it's you, Agmar. Great. Uh, Agmar's always greener. I don't know. <laughs> On the other side of the fence. But anyway, so that is the Infinite Vulcan, which was uh, an interesting episode for all of about five minutes before it yeah. completely veers off. Um, I feel bad because I like Walter Koenig. He's, he's the best uh, evil telepath. Mm-hmm. Ever to be put on screen. Well, think of it. I mean, this episode may have saved him from a life of doing uh, TV episodes and pushed him further on the trail to acting. And he uh, produced a character of uh, Becker. He didn't. Wait, he produced Bester? Or he created the character of Bester. He created Bester? I thought that was Michael Chizaginski. All right. He portrayed Bester. Yeah. He's as an actor. And you can't think of anyone else who might have done a better job. No. So we needed Walter Koenig to to portray best. Yep. I don't see how that has to do with writing, though. Let's see. Writing credits. He was, what, he what was he written. Uh, Renegade's handball. Ugh. Inalienable. <laughs> ugh. The powers of Matthew Starr. <laughs> a show just called Family. Ugh. What really happened to the class of 65, which was released in 1978. It's a bit late, but that is well, his had, first writing gig. And then yeah. he wrote a land of the lost episode, which helps. Mm-hmm. But, but obviously neither Jeremiah or myself are going to be giving the infinite Vulcan a very high school. Now I'm going to give it a, a C just because the plant people concept was cool, but as soon as we veer into giant, uh, evil, five-story tall Hitlers, and we're just we're just done. I'm going to give it a C minus. Mm. Well, I hope y'all enjoyed, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and we will see y'all next time with. Uh, hope you enjoyed the conversation. The magicians of two. Magics of Megas two. Oh, that's close enough. Oh. <laughs> Another exciting where, episode. Yeah, you people can see where this is going. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.